indices up. All share index uh, up nearly 3% today. Uh, but uh, certainly a day for the resources today. Uh, Brent crude um, just over 105 and also saw a good showing there coming through from Palladium, which is out at uh, $1,851 an ounce. But uh, certainly a horrid day for the South African rand on the currency front, uh, weak against a basket of all of the major currencies. Uh, now joining us on the line to take a look at the big stories uh, out in the markets at the start of this new week is uh, independent market commentator, analyst and CA, Snesipo Manindra. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Um, evening, Aya. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Can't complain. How are you? No, I'm good. I'm good, good. Let's maybe start off out in Russia. Um, just, I, I mean, I just said to the listeners here, uh, probably a good day of resource stocks. Uh, also saw Brent crude oil price, um, you know, somewhat uh, gaining, but of course nowhere near the prices that uh, would have shocked us over the last while. But still very, very, you know, high territory uh, for the Brent crude oil price. Uh, and it seems things might get worse uh, if... Um, yeah, any of the expectations of what might happen at Gazprom is concerned. Maybe give us some of the context. Who is Gazprom and why do they uh, matter to the energy security of Europe? Um, so Gazprom is a um, state-owned Russian entity and um, they supply gas um, to um, a significant amount of European um, EU countries and specifically um, Germany, France and Italy. It's more, it's more, it's more, more, it's more of a matter in Germany because um, early on today, they called um, force majeure, which basically means extraordinary business circumstances that they said they would be cancelling their contracts to supply um, German um, German entities. Now, the reason why that this is specifically um, quite quite an issue is that although we're currently in summer, and, we, and if you look at the EU weather forecast, they they are currently in the midst of a heat wave. Winter is coming, unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, and it does do a lot with the energy security. You've got situations where um, the price of um, gas, specifically if you track EU markets and um, European um, um, entities, it's gone up three times, and it will get worse. It will get worse. You, I, I think one of the the, um, the telltale signs of um, this um, conflict Russia has with Ukraine is that. In as much as we want to um, do the right thing, i.e., um, i.e., um, you know, support the, the citizens of UK against the invasion, you also need to think about energy security in your own backyard. Um, these sanctions are not going to help. And if you factor in um, gas and um, oil, unfortunately, fertilizer brings in the price of food. So your country is both energy insecure. And food, the cost of food, inflation immediately goes up. So, it, I think, I think, I think I said this when we initially chatted about this, um, the conflict was that Russia is not like Syria and all the other countries where it's successfully managed, or Zimbabwe even. Um, it's actually quite an integral part of um, the energy, food, security of. Um, of Europe, and I think when we when we when we when we when we when we initially when the conflict initially started, um, there was expectation that the conflict will be um, resolved fairly quickly. However, I think everybody underestimated um, underestimated the importance of um, Russia to energy security, and now with the force majeure, it's it 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 it, it, it I think it's 
I think it's a, it's a function of um, others are playing chess and others are playing checkers, effectively, because you have a situation where. So, you're, you're my, you must um, you're my, you're my, before we go to the analogy, see so good. Who's playing chess and who's playing a draft? I'm not going to lie to you, Vlad is playing chess. I think they underestimated. When you looked at the imports of France and Germany, I was like, you're about to sanction a country that contributes a third, a third, and in some cases even more in the case of Germany. You're about to sanction. I think, we, I think they underestimated. They underestimated the importance. And the idea was that they were going to be alternatives. And um, you have situations where um, French and EU entities are looking to Africa to transport them gas without necessarily the infrastructure investment that allow, would allow for it. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean maybe explain to us. They're yeah. scrambling. They're scrambling. Yeah. They, they are genuinely scrambling. And but but it's nice a, a lot of people... Would, just sorry, I mean, while, while we're still on the context, um, because I think for me, conceptually, there's an issue here. On the one hand, the EU sanctions the Kremlin, but on the other hand, yeah. there's an exception made for imports of gas from Russia. How does that work? Uh, you know, you can't take things personally. Um, as you pointed it out, you really can't take certain things personally. You've got to think, you've got to be practical. Uh, human rights don't put food on the, the table. <laughs> food on the table. It's literally as simple as that. And with Russia retaliating, and the retaliation is caused by a multitude of factors, mainly besides the sanctions, there's also the, the fact that Russia is into default. Uh, but at the same time, the Russia's ripples the best performing um, currency globally, from appreciation-wise, uh, it, it, it's one of those where you just have to... You, they, they, they pick the wrong one, unfortunately. They picked the wrong one, and that strategic blunder is what what we're all left with because we're in a situation where you you, you can't have you you can't try to salvage another country while your own citizens are you've put them in a recession trap. Mm. You've put them effectively in a recession trap. So fundamentally, so I was looking at. Um, this year, beginning of this year, I was looking at some data from um, the IMF and uh, ACD, and it talked about that the beginning of the year we we had global growth sitting at about four and a half um, percent. And if you look at the assisting now, the numbers that we're looking at is two and a half percent. So that means effectively we expect the global economy to grow half at what it is, and we're still sitting in June and mm. um, July. I mean, so it can get worse. Hmm. And I think this is where, and this is where I think with the fourth majeure, it's from a Russia state or an entity. That's why I say he's playing chess. Yeah, yeah. It can get worse. Let's, we, we're complaining sensible. now, yeah. but it can get worse. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave this one because I think uh, certainly one group that will be looking at how worse it can get is the Monetary Policy Committee, which is set to give us uh, the latest insofar as interest rates are concerned on Thursday. So we'll certainly be following that. But I want us to shift... Um, to the story here around vaccine mandates. Now, um, I mean, we saw over the last while many entities lifting these and uh, teams now, uh, trade union SASPO, saying to Old Mutual, well, you you have to reinstate some of the people you've now chucked out um, who um, uh, were reluctant to vaccinate. Um, yes, I think that primarily comes from um, other entities such as Senate Bank are going out and saying that uh, they will be looking to re- rehire those who they dismissed because of vaccine mandates. But also also part of one of the issues has been, has been that 
in, in the cases that have come in front of the CDMA, we've had situations where the, the rigs in some cases have been found to be inconsistent, um, inconsistent. And um, it, it, it's one of the reasons why I've said we're saying, but guys, if we look at where we are regulatory-wise, we're no longer in a state of emergency. Um, uh, please uh, do this. But at the same time, uh, at the same time, uh, I'm against it personally because... Uh, against to, what? Vaccine mandates? You could, Wait, are you against yes, vaccine the, mandates or against this decision now to rescind them? The decision to rescind them. I believe in vaccine mandates. I believe in... You could not go to primary school. It's a simple thing, guys. I don't know why we're, we're all struggling to forget that we all had, you know, those cards in primary school. So I don't understand why we're <laughs> we're changing the script on it. And I think the action um, by the Blue Bank last week um, just um, just, 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 just made people um, a more bravado. But effectively, I, I think what we need to understand is that COVID has not left us. We are living with it, but it can always, um, if, you, if you look, if you especially track some of the cases in, um, in Europe, uh, time to spend the time, uh, as someone likes to point out, is EU citizens are going to be traveling to the south. And that's, and there's been a lot of traveling. So I think we, I'm, I'm a big believer in the vaccine mandate, and I don't believe in us changing that on anytime soon at all, um, because it effectively defeats the purpose. We have a situation where you've got vaccines that are effectively expiring because people are not taking them, and this is a greater incentive for even those who have not taken them to not take them at all. Mm, so yeah. I just think it just think it just sets off a ripple effect, and sometimes when we make these decisions, we don't think of the overall consequence of those decisions and yeah it's it, 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 are we safe because of uh vaccines or are we safe because we don't think COVID mm. is reality we are safe because of vaccines and that's sure. what the data and the science supports so that's about, let's shift away from that uh, story that coming out of old mutual and sasbo um and uh, head out to the drc it seems the drama between gecka mines and uh, some of the chinese investors insofar as transfer pricing is concerned and output from some of their operations continues. And it's putting, uh, I guess, a stall uh, on exports from Congo's 10K copper and cobalt mine. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think, I think when, we, when we think about what actually happened in the Congo, and this is for the people who believe uh, renewable energy because uh, we have businesses in supply inputs. Um, I think the main issue has to do with... Um, the dispute over royalties and uh, the case of the resource curse to be within the African continent, specifically within the the Congo. The idea of mineral resources is that they are to benefit those in which they land reside. But you have situations where there's been um, exploitation, specifically in the Congo, and um, and the, the issues of the royalty payments and who does it go to and um, and you've got um, the amount that they quoted on Bloomberg was seven point six billion um, US dollars in mm. and interest, and this has been uh, this has been back and forth. However, these things are always a function of greed. That's why I always call it the resource curse. The resource curse, and uh, they've asked, they've been requested to halt exports until, and the idea of halting exports is sort of to force a decision, force a decision force a decision, but also it also talks to how many foreign entities um, those 
from both the West and the East um, tend to make promises when they want to get the mineral rights, build the mine, and then export all their money. The other issue that the, I guess Congolese are raising here is that there's a lot of opacity. It's a bit unclear sort of what this transfer you know, pricing arrangement looks like between um, this joint venture in the DRC and what they sell it to the Chinese uh, related mm-hmm. party, and of course, ultimately, who they at, at, at what sort of terms they sell it into to the final consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, is this unique to copper and cobalt, or is it, I guess, something that certainly is very much part of much of the minerals that the DRC is endowed with? Um, uh, it's, it's not even unique to DRC. I would not even because. Part of the reason why transfer pricing, effectively just for those who don't understand what transfer pricing, transfer pricing is when you have related parties do a uh, transaction and the transaction does not appear to be at arm's length price. Um, the price so that one entity, you sort of create a loss-making entity, in this case specifically in the DRC, and you, can, and you keep your profits within, um, so you trade a loss-making entity. Therefore, you don't have to pay um, the royalties because royalties uh, royalties and specifically your profits, and then you create a profit center in your other entity in another jurisdiction where it's more favorable to you on your terms. So basically, you're effectively um, getting the resource essentially for free. So that is one of the fundamental, that's the fundamental issue of transfer pricing, is, mm. so, is to govern those relationships because you create loss-making centers of certain jurisdictions and profit-making of certain jurisdictions, even though the resource comes from the loss-making. Mm. And in some way, and also in that way, you're not um, having any profits. If you're not having any profits, you're not paying tax. And, that's when you, and, 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 and then you don't have to have any obligations when it comes to saying, how do this asset is uh, not making danger, we're not making money, et cetera, et cetera. It, it brings into those conversations, which then effectively mean that you're not, you're not doing what you have to want to do, which is growing your entity. So Maybe, you're not yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you know, doing what you need to do, which is actually creating um, actual viable business. You're mainly, you're, in a sense, um, extra- doing pure value extraction. Mm, mm, which I guess uh, we certainly know strangers to here. Maybe a last comment yeah. uh, on, on your end, Snesipo. NatRef, uh, yeah, coming into some challenges over the last while. And it mm. means, uh, as of today, uh, 18th July, we have no functioning uh, refinery. What implication is this going to have on what we're paying at the pumps? Uh, so, um, uh, so functionally, um, so they, they called, um, again, another force majeure. They called force majeure, maybe because of delay in their uh, oil imports, which they do uh, anticipate to resolve shortly in the next few weeks, in the next few weeks, but uh, because of where we are. Fundamentally, I think we have a, we have a refinery issue in, um, I think in South Africa, and I think it, it does impact. Um, it does impact um, fundamentally from I think uh, I think we, besides the price we pay, there's also um, entire value chains, the value chains built around these refineries. So it has a knock-on effect around the community, of course, as well as um, the economic. Situation, the socioeconomic dynamics of those specific communities. And I think if you don't factor in the entire value chain that depends on it. So there's that aspect, and of course, uh, the increasing the fuel price pump. But mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a situation, and um, here's hoping that this government needs to step in. This is, this is, for me, when, when we look at 
um, strategic um, assets within government. Government, you've got energy is one of those where you can't leave it to a uh, private sector. Yeah, yeah. And so this refinery business has just fundamentally proved it because they chose, um, the oil majors chose not to invest further. Mm. And alas, now this is the situation we found ourselves in. Sure. Slezabot, we're going to have to leave it here for tonight. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Thank you very much, as always, for your time. Snezibo Maninjwa, they're speaking to us uh, tonight um, for our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, our friends out at Telcom Future Makers, join us. We're going to talk about township innovation hubs. The business wrap of the day.